then we decided on the model, which is now Dog Drop and its small footprint, decentralized, tech-enabled dog care, right? So we're putting these, you know, sub 3,000 square feet locations, really focused on convenience, quality. We want them everywhere. People already live, work, and play. And for us, it's like that technology component has been a huge part of our story from day one and building that internally too. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, it's the Wolf. Today on the show, we have the CEO and co-founder of an innovative new dog daycare franchise called Dog Drop. Shayna Denny worked in China at multiple startups before moving back to the US, took her knowledge from what she learned over there and is now applying it to the pet industry uh, and is also franchising it. So if you're interested in the pet space, if you're interested in startups, this is a very great conversation and I think you're gonna enjoy it. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by the Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek and Wolfpack Franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. We'll obviously like get into dog drop, but I guess just a good place to start. You know, what were, you know, kind of some of the things that you were up to and doing professionally before you got into the franchise world? Before starting dog drop, I actually was living and working in China for about four years. So I <laughs> I went to business school over there in Shanghai, and I just totally fell in love with the startup scene, the business world, and the Chinese culture there. So I ended up staying, and I got a job working on market entry for a big consumer electronic company, actually the largest consumer electronic company in the world called Xiaomi. So I was working specifically with one of their umbrella companies that was focused on imaging technology. So very different than the franchise world, very different than the pet space. Yeah. Day in Shanghai for a couple of years, absolutely loved it. Then I ended up moving to Beijing and worked with the Beijing-based EV and electric vehicle startup up there for a while. Holy crap. Okay. Didn't expect that. <laughs> wow. I saw your face. I wish your face was recorded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just from a, you know, are there any things that you're living in LA now? I mean, from a like a way that they approach business and work and building companies, you know, is there anything that you learned there specifically that you think that just you haven't seen in America? Yeah, th there are a few things. I think one, especially working on hardware over there, it's very cool to have like an idea and be able to turn that concept into a prototype within a 72 hour span, right? Where if you're US based, that span can be maybe 16 weeks, typically, or now with other like 3D printers and stuff, you can expedite that process. But just because manufacturing and the speed of things like everything's right there. So if I was, you know, going to the CEO of my company, and I'm like, Oh, hey, we kind of have this idea or concept or what about this color they're like let's do it and sort of let's do it now it wasn't like okay let's talk about this at next week's meeting and i think that mentality it's very different than the u.s so that was something that's interesting and i think when i'm back in the u.s it's really to balance that because there's pros and cons with hey here's an idea let's do it now 
versus like, hey, what are the repercussions? What's the trickle effect? What else is this going to affect and who? What other stakeholders? So for me, it's taking that kind of mentality, but also measuring it in a workplace that we can actually implement here. So you think basically because they have the manufacturing right there, that kind of, do you think that lends itself to like a heavy bias towards action when you do guys, when you do come up with an idea there? That was for, for that company, right? Manufacturing, but that would go across with anything digital or, you know, firmware or software as well, right? It's kind of that mentality, like, let's do it and let's build, build this now. And I think especially in the now, and I've worked at all startups before, right? So it's also like startup culture and then expedited with Chinese culture and kind of all together, right? And I think to take that mentality into the franchise world, which has typically been much slower. There's a lot of other moving pieces. And I think definitely having to find that balance because especially building in the physical world, right, with retail concepts and franchising is really to be able to balance. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, before we get to your move back stateside and dog drop, you know, like culturally at these startups in China, you know, like I think the stereotypical American, especially like a tech startup, right? It's like, you know, you got the ping pong tables in the office, you got white claws in the fridge, you're doing happy hour. Like, what is the vibe like? At a, at a company? Like, That's a hard no. <laughs> I always laugh because when at, <laughs> at this time, right, I'm working in, in Shanghai and I'm like, I'm working with Xiaomi. So like one of the largest, you know, Chinese startups, my friends, whether they're any like thing company here and they're like, oh, these are all the kind of work perks that we have. And I was, thinking a lot about that in terms of uh, motivation, right, for employees, like how is providing all these benefits, like really motivating them in the workplace. And then at my office in China, like complete opposite, we would at lunch have the Ayi, like the um, person who helped maintain the office, and she would bring around like one mandarin orange and place it on our desk, right? But we were so much more motivated. And so I thought a lot about like motivations and like workplace culture in the US versus there. And I think intrinsically, like our company in, in China, we were just so motivated on the product and the vision, what we were building. And we wanted to really change China for being a copycat culture to be innovators. And that kind of motivation spread within the company. So nothing else mattered, right? And so it's something that I always think about here, like, what are the things that really motivate folks? And I think it comes down to what you're building in that vision. That's fascinating. I couldn't imagine. I would send photos of uh, people like my friends, here's like the kombucha on tap and everything. And I'm like, well, here's my daily orange, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like photos of me. Holy crap. Um, so, Definitely funny to exchange experiences during those times. No, that's that's super cool. And so what was the impetus to come back stateside? And did you move straight to Los Angeles? Yeah, so I'm originally from this general vicinity. I moved back. I was working with in, up in Beijing for a Chinese-based EV company at that time. And we were considering moving some operations out to North America. LA is great. Obviously, we have the port nearby, so there's a lot of benefits that worked in uh, my favor geographically, and so that's what got me back out here. Okay, cool. And so you're still working for the Chinese company when you moved here then? Yeah. Okay. And I worked with them for about a year or so after I moved back, a year and a half longer. Okay. And did you go straight from there into building Dog Drop, or was there any in-between venture? Nope. So right the day I moved back, I actually got a dog. 
as one does a couple of years, oh, four years away and was like, hey, what am I going to do on day one? <laughs> and so it's a little bit of a longer, crazier story about that, but I'll, I'll keep it simple. So I got a dog on day one and okay. for the most part, right, my team, we didn't have an office out in the US. So I was uh, ahead of the COVID trend of working from home and just working from home most of the time. I was going into a co-working space a couple of times per week just to see other humans and change up the scenery. So it's more than capable to take care of my dog. And that's where it sort of hit me. But I was like, but now what, right? Is she getting the recreation and activity that she needed? And so I was really just looking at solutions for myself as a dog parent, asked, you know, folks like, hey, what are people using? This was kind of all during the rise of WAG and Rover. And I was like, "Eh, that's not necessarily quite what I'm looking for. If anything, I kind of want to get out for a walk as well. Stumbling upon dog daycare services, didn't really know much about it. And yeah, ultimately, that's where it all shifted. Okay, amazing. So I guess, yeah, when did you really like i'll take it as owning a dog you started to like most people who are entrepreneurial start thinking about maybe how the processes and products can be improved so when did you just have the conviction where you're like all right i'm gonna leave my job and try to start my own company to make dog daycare better and in what what time frame is it too if you can kind of set the stage there like uh, is it 2018 or i kind of this is 2018 when i started when i Got my own like trying to back up. So around 2018 is sort of when I yeah started thinking about it. I was going to a dog daycare nearby. Pain point one, I had to drive there every time. Pain point two, it was next to nothing in my ecosystem, right? And every time I'm sort of selfishly eye roll doing this errand, right? Pain point three, it was just like human pain point after human pain point. And I was like, this is so annoying. But what was crazy every time is it was full. This place was busy. And I'm like, this is like a very subpar experience. And I'm thinking I'm based in LA, right? We're all like up on our services and quality and everything. And on the dog side, was it safe enough? Maybe. Was it clean enough? Not sure. We couldn't see the back. I asked a question. They didn't have a front desk person most of the time, right? Like there wasn't a lot of transparency. And so that's when I kind of was like, imagine if you just made it like a little bit better. But before even thinking <laughs> thinking that, I just started finding it like, what are other alternatives for myself and my dog to go to? And looking at, at that, and I was like, huh, this is actually quite interesting. Well, so obviously going from saying, hey, this could be improved upon to actually starting a company. Like, it's a lot easier to do the first part, just be like, oh, like I have an idea. Yeah. So how did you, because I know you raised money, you know, how did that process go? And was the goal from day one to franchise or, you know, is that something that kind of came into your head later on? Yeah. So I think for us, our goal was to be everywhere, right? One of our core values is convenience. And so we knew going in that we wanted dog drop everywhere, right? And it's whatever path made most sense for us. And that's how we came to franchising. So from coming to this concept and kind of just scratching my head about like, oh, this is interesting to then teaming up with my co-founder and her being like, oh, this is interesting too, right? And we just kind of just got fixated on this problem. And so we took it. I didn't quite know what the solution was. I said, here's all the pain points. I don't know what this means. And really looking at it from that perspective. And then ultimately... 
had a meeting with this guy named Mike Jones. He's the CEO and founder of a startup incubator in Santa Monica called Science. They'd incubated Dog Vacay, which was acquired by Rover. They'd incubated Dollar Shave Club. And so I oh. saw that they had experience okay. in the, they eventually, they incubated uh, Liquid Death. So when we started, so they're just no really way. great oh, at sweet. building yeah, consumer brands, right? That's their thing is really strong consumer brands. And for us, that was important because we look at dog care from the perspective of the human lifestyle as well, right? And I think that's the problem that we're really after solving. So I teamed up with them and said like, here's this problem. I think I have a good idea of how to solve it. And, you know, to make the story short, they're kind of like, let's do it, right? So I spent some time working with them, started that full-time in 2019. And then we decided on the model, which is now Dog Drop in its small footprint, decentralized, tech-enabled dog care, right? So we're putting these, you know, sub 3,000 square feet locations really focused on convenience, quality. We want them everywhere. People already live, work, and play. And for us, it's like that technology component has been a huge part of our story from day one and building that internally too. And going from that idea, right? raising the money, launching it, going full-time in 2019. What was your at least early impressions, right, of, you know, I'm sure you, you built location number one, so it's just kind of probably you and your co-founder and maybe a small team running that store, maybe it's just you guys. But when you start, since you want to be everywhere, right, and you grow in the franchising route, like what were your first impressions of just getting into that world? Because I kind of view it as, and I've worked on the franchise development side, so I haven't, like, you know, run a corporate store and started a corporate store like you. But to me, it's like they're almost separate, they're like separate business lines uh, in my head. So yeah, what, what was that? Just- yeah, that's totally afterthought, right? Our only focus at that time was, can we prove out this model, right? That That's the only thing that matters. Because if you can't prove out a model, then you're not going to get to the next step anyway. So our full focus, 16 hours a day, was operating that first location in the arts district is between... My co-founder, me, her mom was coming in sometimes. My brother was coming in sometimes. And we had one other employee who was a dog daycare attendant. And we were just working there all the time until we were able to hire more folks. But we said, I think from my co-founder's career's perspective and mine, I need to understand every role and every part of the operations inside out. We've done everything, right? I'm So I'm never going to tell someone how to do something if I I haven't done it myself, right? And I think for us, that's really was doing it the dog drop way, right? I'm not going to hire someone who's an expert in dog daycare or has experience in dog daycare to tell us because we want to do things differently, right? And develop that. That's really what we set out to do with dog drop. So for us, it was really important to just like put in the time and that time had to be spent there. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, I guess like, so as you're kind of focusing and honing in on that model, obviously, right, there's like somewhat established, let's call it dog daycare brands that have been around maybe for close to a decade, possibly, I think one of them, like Houndstown, I think has been around for a while. Yeah, there's some for up to 20 plus years. Yeah. So have you done like competitive analysis? And I think like Dogtopia is probably, I feel like they're like becoming, or you know, they've been around for a while too. How is the experience different? Like if I am just even from like, just from the customer kind of journey, like how does it work differently with a dog drop versus maybe a dogtopia? And 
if there's different services being offered, you know, feel free to clarify there too. I think for us at looking at it, to be honest, and I came in pretty naive, I was not even aware of some of these big box players. Like I think it's creating an entirely new and like a new category. We're not traditional dog daycare, right? I think even from the folks that we hire to our customers, not typically the traditional Monday through Friday, nine to five dog daycare. I think we look at it very similar to the disruption, what even like Uber or Lyft did to the taxi industry. I think about myself, I live in LA, right? I maybe needed a taxi one time per year if I'm being generous and I own a car. So now when Lyft and Uber is so convenient, so accessible, like why do I spend 200 plus dollars a month on Lyft? Because it's just in front of my face, right? And so I didn't just, I think Lyft and Uber, they could have easily gone after existing, the existing taxi riders, but now they're like, Hey, let's 10 X, let's a hundred X that market size. And so for me, I'm like, We don't, the existing dog daycare user, they can go to the big box players like that. That's totally fine. That That's not really our customer for the most part. We'll help support those folks for sure, but it's a completely different category. Fascinating. So can you maybe talk about more? Because you said something before that was really interesting that like the focus or some of the big like bullet points for dog drop is small square footprint, tech enabled, but decentralized. We're recording this, if anyone listening pays attention to crypto, the day of a massive crypto exchange just got went under. So like when I hear decentralized, I'm like thinking crypto, but I know that's no, not what it no, is. So no. yeah, do you want to just... Decentralized, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Decentralized in terms of throughout a city, right? So okay. instead of one central location, let's say I'm a 10,000 square foot warehouse dog daycare kennel facility, right? I might put a couple in a market. But hey, like for us, we can put these, we think in terms of blocks, not miles, right? So put these on the ground floor of apartment complexes, underutilized retail space. They think about a market and I'm just decentralizing dog daycare locations. Like, hey, let's split up. Let's not take 10,000 square feet and have people drive to us. Let's make smaller spaces and put them everywhere so that our customers have the ultimate convenience. Okay. And I got to imagine, right, then the follow through on the unit economics, at least, right? It's like got to be a lower investment than these massive facilities that are being built for these other franchises. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you look at some of the bigger ones, maybe you can build out four dog drop locations for the price of, you know, one larger facility. Yeah. And it d- depends on the deals that you make, everything. So I'm just, don't hold me to it using that as an example. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Of course. Well, so, Talk about just more from like a founder perspective. I mean, starting the franchising process during COVID, probably the worst time in history, if we're being honest, right? Like, it's not easy to start a franchise. Yeah, for us, it was probably one of the best times in history, right? We really? had the time to do this. Okay. So a few things, right? So we launched in January 2020, our pilot location. It's like January, February. We're about to sign another two or three corporate, like units, two and three for corporate store. And it's like right around the first week of March. And I was kind of like, oh, let's see, hold on, like procrastinating, like checking in, like what's going on here? Something's feeling shaky, right? And then of course, like March 10th comes by and we're like, okay, something, this is not going to be good, whatever's going on, right? And then I don't remember the exact date, maybe it was March 15th and LA went into maybe the 11th or so. Yeah, the world shut down. And for a moment, we're like, oh crap, right? 
and even our like they came to our store and we're like hey you have to send the dogs home we're doing like a city shutdown everything and we're like well give us till like 4 p.m right like this is i can't remember exactly <laughs> maybe it was like 11 a.m we're like we need a few hours to call the dog parents and stuff yeah and so after that happened then it was less than 48 it was a very dramatic time like every no one knew what, what was happening right it's like every second this is the, what ha- what's happening then they're like oh wait no dog daycare is now an essential business and everything so we're really focused on our employees at this time right because by this time and so it's like three months after we had launched two and a half months later we had finally started hiring employees outside of you know my co-founder myself and our first dog daycare attendant so we're really focused on their like their schedule what's going on they don't they don't know either um but we were fortunately able to really prove this concept that this and i know we haven't even told your listeners what dog drop does but we're really focused on this super high quality and quick stop dog daycare right that most people don't need nine to five dog daycare you can drop off your dog for two hours at a time we bill in 30 minute increments so like if you're there for 90 minutes you pay for 90 minutes right we don't want to upcharge people and we want, you can go in and out as many times as you'd like throughout the day and just, we fit into people's life and not make them fit into our business. So th- that's what we're doing. And there's no better time in the history to say like, Hey, I'm not going to work for 10 hours and I'm still going to drop my dog off for an hour and a half so that they can play with their friends. Right. So for us, that was like proof point one, like done. And then, as then we're just focused on now, how do we manage operations during this time? But we ended up not signing corporate leases two and three, which actually in hindsight, sometimes I don't like to say I regret. I don't stay up at night thinking about it, but I'm like, hey, like it would have all actually things were moving, but we probably played it a little safe and we're like, hey, hold on a second. So we had time yeah. to really meticulously optimize our operations. We had time to go slow because no one's like, where's unit two and three when it's June, 2020, we're like, Hey, we're holding on here like everyone else. So from investors, everyone was patient from a customer standpoint, they're super patient and understanding, right? There's no like LA that's such a strong community. They wanted to help our employees to get to know if we needed anything as a new business. So we had so much patience and support that we were really able to fill, build our business during that time and not feel, not feel rushed. And I was able to spend a ton of time learning about franchising and if that was the right. Well, I should say I wasn't doing that until 2021. So we got through 2020 and only in 2021 did we start seriously looking at franchising. Okay. Perhaps maybe, uh, yeah, the timing, I guess. Uh, maybe if you were like a year further down the line, it would have just thrown everything to a screeching halt. Whereas I see what you're saying. It yeah. sounds like Cause we it were on gave you mode. plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. So he was like, all right, well, now we have more than enough time to really think about things. And yeah. there's, there's no pressure from investors. I mean, there's literally nothing you can do but, but wait it out. So Yeah, luckily had the time to build instead of focused on growing. So we're like, let's build a really good business and let's focus on the operations and let's build a repeatable model, right? And, and that's what we did. Yep. And so you said before, so it sounds like, you know, if you want to maybe just expand on like just why dog drops different, right, than your normal daycare, because like that billing in 30 minute increments, it sounds like a pretty cool model where it's more like just pay as you go. If you're, you know, I'm imagining my friends who live in New York, right? I mean, some of them would probably like 
stop in to get a coffee and then, you know, somewhere in the city and they'd be like, oh, I actually want to go hang out with the, my friend uptown. They don't want to bring their dog. So they could like just leave their dog basically at a dog drop for however long that, that they need. It doesn't have to be a set five hours or six hours, whatever the normal time frame is. Yeah, for sure. So for us, right, it's focused on providing the most convenient, high quality dog care experience powered through our technology. Right. And so what does that actually mean? From the time you learn about our brand, potentially online or through a referral or something. So your online experience completely cohesive with your offline experience when you first come in to learn about dog drop and you bring your dog. And that's called our good fit test, right? So we make sure that all dogs that one, most importantly, we're a good fit for your dog, right? That's our priority there. And then of course, that your dog is safe with our drop operators, our dog daycare attendants with the, the space, right? That the space is a good space for them and all the other dogs. And so us, we treat that, that experience as like a very high touch experience where um, and this is part of our business model, right? That we have someone there to take people in. We want to get to learn about yourself as a parent. What are your needs? How do you want to utilize dog drop? So it's best and most convenient for you. And then also really to learn about your dog, right? What are your goals with your dog too? A lot of people are, you know, first time dog parents as well. A lot of younger folks, it's the first time that they're owning a dog as their sole parent, right? So we put a lot of time into that. And we essentially, once a dog passes or, you know, maybe doesn't pass, would highly recommend them to another place too. We just get, get you started at dog drop. And so for everything, it's like curbside and all of these add-ons, it's not built in. Anyone can say, hey, cool, I'm a big box dog daycare. I can bill for 30 minutes too, right? It should take n- not too long to do that. The thing is, that's part of our business model and the operations, right? So from the people, the curbside service to having someone there ready for drop-offs and pickups continuously throughout the day, that all comes from a very operational standpoint, not just a payment processing standpoint too. And then for us, it's, you know, longer hours. Our LA location, we're open from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. I remember as a pet parent, the daycare I used to go to closed at around 6 p.m. And I was like, when was I back by 6 p.m.? Barely, right? So things about just coming in and out and then really is the quality of our staff, right? I think for us, it's consistent engagement with the dogs. Some are only there. Some dogs do stay all day, but some dogs that are there for shorter stays, we want to make sure we're playing with them, engaging with them, and also providing upward growth for our drop raters and our employees on the care team. And so there's a lot that comes into place there. And then for us, it's really that software component that ties it together, right? And I think you can externally, after the fact, add on an app or something, but that's not, you're not building your operations to match that digital experience as well. So for us, it's just a very, we want to be vertically integrated. So when we're seeing something in our store, for instance, hey, we get real time data to know, hey, between Tuesdays from 4 to 6 p.m., we're maybe only at 70% capacity. What do we want to do here? Probably on an operational standpoint, I want to say, Hey, let's um, lower staffing, right? But then actually, I want to say, let's increase utilization and drive traffic. So maybe I'm going to push something to my customers and say, hey, we're going to do Agility Tuesday at 4 p.m., like T minus two hours coming now, right? Um, so a lot of that's from learning at our own dog daycare and being able to say like, hey, let's add this in and like, let's let add this in today. 
And that's our kind of mentality is to see, see changes, whether it's for our own operational efficiencies, whether it's for customers and be able to actually do something about it. Very cool. Yeah. That sounds like some of that mentality that you brought over from China, honestly, just saying like, <laughs> here's the idea. Let's do it right now. So that, that's pretty cool. And yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying too on, cause I see that a lot of, across a lot of franchises where maybe like you're coming at it from a different angle, right? With dog daycare and having 30 minute billing where there's other examples across franchises where someone tweaks the model and it's really easy from the outside to say, well, oh, hey, like every existing company could just start doing that. But when you build a company from the ground up, like with that model in mind, like, right, you're talking about you have smaller square footage, you're hiring the staff to, to be doing these things. So yeah, I'm thinking of like a big, massive 10 to 20,000 square foot daycare facility, right? You know the industry better than me, but like to me, it's like, yeah, they probably can't do 30 minute, like technologically they can, but operationally, I mean, they have a lot of fixed costs to pay for that you don't. And they need, if someone's going to come in, they got to stay there for six hours. They got to charge a certain amount of money probably to cover those costs. And we have the exact opposite mentality though in business model, right? We say we lose dogs on all, or we lose money in air quotes for people not watching this video. You make money (laughs) off the shorter stays, longer stays. That's the opposite. We're like, no, no, no. We like short stays because, so it's very different, right? So if we say that, let's say you have a parking garage, right? You can have one car take that parking spot and it's going to be capped at $50 per day. Well, let's say I had five cars go in that same spot at $15 an hour, right? You're going to make money off all those hourly people and that's our business. So we're everything, all assumptions that you have of dog daycare, big box, like kennel boarding facilities, it's probably opposite in, in our business model. We'll still take dogs all day. It's good to fill it out for utilization and capacity purposes, but we're really focused on this notion of in and out. I love the the parking analogy too. Well, I guess just wrapping up here. I mean, so you've been franchising roughly around a year. Yeah, almost. So we started selling early in twenty two. So this year. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're coming up on a year. Yeah. I mean, how's it been going? And you know, maybe like, what's the? Uh, do you have units in development thus far in different markets outside of LA? Sure. Yeah. We're super excited to announce we're going to be launching in Denver and also the Fort Lauderdale market next year. So we partnered with two different franchise partners there. We partnered with someone in Denver who is a previous Stretch Lab franchisee. So she had, she was early in the Stretch Lab system as well, super early. She built her units in Denver, sold them, and then now is invested into Dog Drop. So we're really excited to have her as an experienced operator. Um, as well, who has seen success with multi-unit franchising. And most recently, we signed the Fort Lauderdale slash Miami market for another five units there. And we're super excited about that team too. Just for us, it's working with really high caliber people when it comes to really like the dog philosophy operations as well and the experience that they have. Ultimately, we're focused on providing just the killer experience that you haven't seen in this space before, right? I think we see so many great examples of really high-touch retail or service experience in human services. And in the dog services, they're sometimes super focused on the pet that we forget about the human. So that's really where we're coming in to kind of come in with a a more multifaceted approach there. And from a franchising perspective, just given like, right, that you want to kind of have like provide the utmost convenience 
it almost sounds like it lends itself, right, to like, you want multi-unit operators coming in and building multiple locations so that within a given, I don't know, city or county or whatever, right, like that so that customers in the area can always pop into a dog drop. Yeah, definitely. And then that that owner as well starts to know their members, right? So from a business model perspective, it's all it's monthly membership to dog drop, right? And it's really personal. Like we, if you come into a dog drop, you're going to see our member care specialist is going to know every dog's name. And yeah, we always say 70% of parents' names as well. (laughs) Dog first too. And so like, it's really cool to see that. And so when it's the same owner throughout a market, it really helps facilitate that more personal approach. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's awesome. And, And congrats on the success so far. Sounds like, you know, you guys are up to some really cool stuff. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for uh, coming on, Shana. And, you know, if there's anyone listening to this, I know we definitely have a lot of people interested in the pet space. So is there a good spot online where people can follow along you, Dog Drop, both? Yeah, you can find Dog Drop across any social channels at Dog Drop Co. Or our website, dogdrop.co slash franchise as well. And I uh, can follow me on Twitter at Shana Denny. But yeah, we're super excited to be joining the franchise world. I think we're still really early, but excited about this market and really excited about finding these franchise partners that are really going to be able to deliver this experience to their local community. Definitely. Now, it's super exciting to see uh, a fresh take on things, especially depending on which area of the franchise industry you're in. There are some things that right are just the direct opposite of, of fresh. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped about your brand and, uh, yeah, super stoked to see what you do in the next few years. So, um, yeah, thanks again, Shana, and uh, we'll talk soon. For sure. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. Listen.